Hello and welcome to Design Untangled with me, Chris Mears and Carla Lindarte. How's it going? I'm good. How are you? Very hot in this room. I can't open the windows because then the mic will pick up all the traffic outside and it's about 30 degrees, probably about 40 degrees in this room. So hot and sweaty, ready to podcast hard. Yeah, I'm the same. And then I'm in a small room as well and it's boiling here it, it, it actually looks like a sauna because it's all made of wood so i feel like uh you know i'm just trying to pretend i'm in a sauna you're not in a towel are you no <laughs> i don't think i could talk about ux with you if you were sat there in a towel that would be a bit weird <laughs> don't be inappropriate chris right so i've been on holiday for a few weeks so i've forgotten what ux is mainly so what we're going to do instead is take a couple of questions from our Slack channel, which if you haven't heard all our awesome plugs at the end of the other podcast is at uxmentor.me. So we've handpicked a couple of different questions we can talk about, chat about, uh, mainly so we didn't have to record a proper episode because we're very unprepared today. (laughs) Um, But (laughs) we'll edit that out maybe. But yeah, so do you want to read out the first question or give a general gist of what the first question is? Yeah, sure. So, well, this is um, a question that I actually answered part of it, but um, I'm going to, you know, pick it anyway. So it says, hi, has anyone, well, sorry, has anyone here ever conducted usability testing for expert users? If yes, what are your reasons? So I was just trying to understand what the question was. And I think I um, asked a follow-up question. And I think what this person was trying to convey is, um, where do I find users who are experts or whether or not, how do you conduct um, user testing with users that are expert in a particular product or solution that you are designing or redesigning, right? Is that, I think that's yeah. the question. Yeah. So I think she was uh, looking for people with particular skills. I think it was in 3D design or something. So I think, I mean, the the answer to this question is that um, it doesn't matter what's the level of expertise of your users, whether they are very expert in, you know, in whatever product you are designing or redesigning or not, um, you still need to do user testing. And the, the difference, I mean, it all depends on what you're trying to achieve with the test. Uh, you still learn um, a lot of things from these users. So you just need to find them um, and obviously try to get your client or your company to give you access to these users. If not, there are other ways where you can start finding um, these users as well online. So I think I suggested Reddit, which was um, is a quite good place to go and find people who do all kind of stuff in there so you can find people there ask them questions and um you know run a survey whatever you want to do yeah i guess one thing to watch out for if you are doing usability testing in particular with these users that are very familiar with your product it can be that they've almost learned how to use the non-usable things in your product, if I see, if you see what I mean, just because yeah. if it's a product they're using day-to-day, they will have had to have found workarounds. And even though the design's potentially not that great, they can still sort of get by just because they have to. It's part of their job or something they use on a day-to-day basis. So that's something you should keep on your radar that 
just because they're completing your task successfully doesn't necessarily mean there's no usability problems with the design, which is why I think it's important to try and get a range of different user types into your user testing. So don't only test with expert users if you're specifically trying to test out usability. Yeah, that's exactly right. Also, you also need to bear in mind that if you're making any changes to these systems, I mean, I remember I worked once in a um, insurance company and we were redesigning an internal system to do quotes for car insurance. Um, and I remember that at that time, users were using about three or four systems to perform their tasks. And it was quite complicated if you, if you observe them as a kind of just, you know, as a UX person you say oh my god such a terrible experience but as you said they actually learned how to do it in a very efficient way so when you're changing systems like that radically you also need to make sure you do it in a slowly if that makes sense so you can't just completely change the experience even though you're trying to make it better and potentially it will be better you need to find um, a way to that transition obviously every time you do a redesign you're going to have a, a, a drop in usability or um, you know user feedback because you know humans normally don't like change uh, but when you're changing something like that we you know when users are so familiar to to a process you really need to think about how you're going to launch that and how you're going to slowly um, introduce your users into the new experience yeah, big bangs really go down well, at least at first. And what was that site a few years ago? Was it Dig? They did a sort of big, a big bang redesign, and they had lots of kind of very loyal power or expert users. And after they did the redesign, I don't know if they have gone bust now, but certainly those users flocked to other similar products after the redesign because it was just thrust upon them. Um, so these expert users will have ways that they like to do things and you need, as you say, to be a bit gradual in how you introduce those changes to them. Yeah, that's exactly right. So shall we go for another question? Yeah, question two. Um, I don't have the exact question here, but it was basically at its core how do you avoid imposter syndrome as a junior ux designer um i don't think that one is specific to just junior ux designers to be honest even if you're very experienced you can get that feeling from time to time when you're maybe just joining a project or a new company uh, you haven't quite got yourself up to speed yet and you kind of feel like what am i doing here am i adding any value what do people think about me um, and the best way around that, I think, really is to just start delivering stuff. You know what you're doing, basically, is the thing you need to get into your head. Um, the only person you're trying to prove it to is yourself, usually. They've hired you because they think you're a good fit for their company and have the right skills. So bear that in mind as well if you're joining as a, a perm. Uh, all that stuff will help raise your profile a little bit, help you feel a bit more comfortable with what you're doing and the people you're working with. And that feeling should hopefully subside after a while. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've got a lot of years of experience in all random stuff and I still feel, um, you know, I don't know enough or that uh, people know more than me or, um, you know, I feel nervous sometimes as well, you know, when I'm presenting something. I think that's something that 
you know, it, it all depends on personalities. But um, in my personal experience, like that's kind of been chasing me for my whole life. Um, so what you need to do, well, at least that's what I try to do, is to, uh, first of all, be really honest. And what I mean is like being honest with your team and the people who hired you about your experience. I know people say fake until you make it. And sometimes you kind of fake it a little bit, but try always to do it in a in a in a in a way that you feel comfortable with. Um, but don't try to put yourself into a situation where you say, "Yeah, yeah, I've done like lots of like um, you know card sorting in the past," um, and then you get faced into that you know situation, and then you are the one who's not going to look very experienced around that. So I think being honest is 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 important, um, as you said, being nice to people. I think most of the time uh, people hire you, yes, because you have skills, but also because you got a good fit to the team. So being nice to people, talking to people, telling them what you 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 actually want and want to learn from your experience. Um, and just get lots of feedback as well. I think the more I get, you get used to receiving feedback, the less you're going to struggle Um with imposter syndrome because you get used to knowing that you're never going to be perfect like I think no one can actually be perfect and then you start feeling more, more comfortable in your own skin so yeah so some that's what I try to do at least yeah I think it's important to separate the work from yourself as well it's when you're getting that feedback they're not criticizing you if they are criticizing it they're criticizing maybe a particular design solution or there's some constraint that you weren't aware of. Like Carla says, just ask questions, understand where that feedback's coming from. Don't take it personally and just use it to improve the design. Essentially, every time you take your design to user feedback, it's being criticized in some sort of weird way. Um, and you just need to understand that it's the same process going on within your team as well. You're putting things in front of users or your team in this scenario they're giving feedback on it they're trying to pick holes in it and it's our job to try and fill in those holes pretty much yeah definitely i mean i also said i would also add that um reading and just keeping yourself up to date is also really important i mean there are lots of like blogs and people who talk about ux all the time and new books new frameworks so i keep buying books all the time don't read them all the time but i do buy them um so it is good to to have you know um resources around you that help you you know sound more confident about what you're saying um help you introduce a new way of working um i think it's it is important you always keep yourself up to date into methodologies and, and ways of doing things. Yeah, and remember, if you are a UX designer with a pile of 30 UX books on your desk, no one is going to mess with you. So definitely do what Carla does and spend lots of money at Amazon and don't read any of them. <laughs> <laughs> I do read them, though. I read them. I read them, but I also keep them as a as reference. I do read them so I remember, you know, in the future when I can actually reference them back. I just have a ter terrible memory, so I have to read books even like multiple times. But anyway, that's just my age and my brain. All right, uh, let's move on to number three. I think it's your one. Yeah, so it's a, hi, mentors. 
I am trying to decide if it's wiser for me to complete my bachelor's or to enroll in a UX trade school program in order to transition into the UX field. Another option is to go the self-study route, hoping to get um, gain some insight on what's recommended. Uh, that is a loaded question. <laughs> so bachelor's or UX trade school program? I think we should probably caveat that with it's up to you, basically. Um, everyone's got different opinions on UX trade schools. Like I'm guessing you're talking about sort of your general assembly type mm-hmm. stuff. Uh, some people find them good and they do find jobs from them. Other people have found that the experience you get on those courses can sometimes not be particularly applicable in the real world. As soon as you can't do your ideal UX process, you're floundering a little bit. We can't really advise whether one is better than the other. It's down to your probably how you learn best, how much you've got to spend. Some of these UX courses are very expensive, but obviously university is as well. Or the other route, which wasn't really listed there, is to move into a related field and then kind of go sideways into UX. So I suppose that's a bit more of the self-study route because you need to upskill yourself. Um, But it doesn't necessarily involve investing loads of money in particular education around UX. Yeah, I mean, it is a hard question, as you said, because it all depends on, you know, where you are at the moment um, and what you want to get. I think this like... um, courses they give you a lot of like quick technical knowledge that it could be applicable if you wanted to to get some you know initial knowledge to then get a junior ux role somewhere else um a bachelor degree i mean more and more i I, i've seen people who never complete their bachelors and are still very successful but at the same time i know of companies who wouldn't hire anyone unless you have a bachelor's degree so that's that's a completely different story, right? Um, but also, what kind of bachelor are you going to do if then you're going to focus yourself in UX? As yeah. I just said, you have to, um, you know, have a related or at least some kind of like rela- relate, yeah, a related feel into UX. Although I've met a lot of UXs who've done like completely like, you know, social studies or something like that, you know, something completely unrelated and still worked in UX. So... I guess for if you're going for a UX research role, I think it it would help if you kind of have some kind of psychology background or something like that. So it is different. I mean, it all depends on the, the type of specialist that you want to do in in the UX field. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're, they're all valid, if that makes sense. And I think the self-study one is something that you should keep doing anyway. Even if you had a bachelor's degree or if you go to trade school, you still need to make sure you're always training yourself in UX as well, as I mentioned before. So, yeah, it's a bit of a hard one to answer, isn't it? Yeah, but hopefully there's a few bits of food for thought there. Um, The other one I I found interesting was um, someone was asking about the differences between a competitive analysis and a competitive usability evaluation. To be honest, I've never heard about the competitive visibility evaluation. Have you heard about that? No, I'd never heard that term before either. It's kind of like someone just shoved a load of UX terms in a blender and then made a smoothie. (laughs) 
exactly. I mean, you either do a heuristic evaluation, which you've got a number of heuristics that, you know, you can use the Nielsen heuristics, for example, to assess the your platform or your solution against the competitors. And then you can do a comparison across that. I've done a piece of work similar to that. Um, competitor analysis, in my experience, is more useful when you're trying to communicate um, certain principles and usability, um, you know, usability principles or features, um, and then you need some kind of translator of your ideas. So I've used competitors in a way of um, giving an example of the kind of experience you want to achieve uh, with the design that you are going to present or are about to present. And most of the time I try to go outside of industry, if that makes sense. So it's not necessarily competitors, uh, but just people who are doing that particular thing really well. Um, so if you're thinking about like creative, you know, copywriting, for example, then you can use Virgin, um, as a way of, you know, showing how you can do, you know, very creative copywriting and you don't necessarily need to go and only look at your competitors. Um, there are clients and companies who would like to still see their direct competitors, but I would like, I would just try to innovate and try to find best practices rather than competitors themselves. Okay, I think that's enough questions. I can't handle it anymore in this sweat box. So we'll be back in two weeks time with a properly prepared episode. But in the meantime, enjoy these plugs and see you later. Search and subscribe to Design Untangled using your favorite podcast app and leave us a review. Follow us on the web at designuntangled.co.uk or on Twitter at designuntangled. Become a better designer with online mentoring at uxmentor.me.